0: Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Judy, Judy Manis Some of you might know my husband, who speaks sometimes Sunday mornings. There he is in the back. <laughs> so, uh, my name is Judy. I am the second part of the duo that makes up Rick Mannis Ministries. Um, we travel and speak all over the country. We're Sharing the unconditional love of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, all over the the country, and it gives us a perspective of the church at large, which is really neat to see how grace and love is really infiltrating in a in in the way it does. It's I, I think I always expected it to be like a sudden thing, or but it's a it's a very gradual kind of learning. And I love the topic of of this class, the Losing My Religion. I'm going to start my timer. Losing My Religion because I feel like it really describes what has been happening to me and probably all of you. It's just this losing of this structure of religion that I built up for myself. So I looked up the the definition of religion, and there's many of them, but... um, This one says, it's a system of faith and belief in God, or an institutional system of attitudes, beliefs, and practices. So in my mind, that religion is sort of like a scaffolding, a a, a scaffolding that I built up, either from things people told me or things that I heard, and I built it thinking that I wouldn't be okay without that structure. Like God wouldn't be pleased with me or I wouldn't be able to have a good life unless I was i was being held up by that structure. And what's happening, in, and I'm calling it a beautiful destruction, is these scaffoldings are falling off and instead of me falling down with the scaffolding, I see that I'm still there, I'm still living. And, more than living, I'm, I'm flowing, and, and there's sort of a gracefulness about it, a, um, almost like you're flying. But I thought that scaffolding was what was holding me up, what was making me uh, okay. Hey, you guys, come on in. I'm just starting. I'm just starting. So um, when I heard that the topic was losing my religion, I was like, that's so aptly described really what's happening to me and, and to many of us. So I'm just going to get started. I'm going to give you a little background about myself. Um, I grew up in a religious home. I experienced a lot of trauma growing up. So I, that was uh, an influence on my life. And I was, in my younger years, very insecure. I was shy. I was awkward. I um, Felt very socially awkward. I felt, um, because of the trauma I experienced, uh, huge shame. Uh, I felt like I was unlovable. Um, I'm, my, I think my parents loved me. I, I really do. I think they they did the best that they knew how. But for whatever reason, I did not feel loved. I did not receive love. It and. When I look back on my time, that time, it makes sense to me to live unloved is like hell. It's, it's a torture. And I, I felt that. And my, my view of God, my view of God was that he was the white bearded man on the throne and he was very um, particular I think I thought he did like some people, like it seemed like some people were the special people that like got the favor and the blessings and they were happy and I was not one of them. And even at times I felt like God hated me, like he um, was actively against me and enjoyed it. And I, it just um, really tainted my experience of life. And I remember I would look around, I'd see people laughing and enjoying, and I just thought, I don't get you. Like, I don't get how you're okay. Like, to me, living life was extremely painful. And I, um, yeah, I just really, um, I didn't like being alive, let me say that. So in my, at 12 was my first suicide attempt, and I had multiple suicide attempts after that. And it was um, just a lostness. When I look back on that, that little girl, that 12-year-old girl, you know, I just want to say to her, hold on, hold on, because you can't even imagine it, but life is going to get so good for you. Um, but there was no one there at the time <laughs> to say that to me. So uh, as I grew up, I um, left home, I went to school, I went to a performing arts college, I felt like I had found my people. They were the outcasts and the weirdos and the homosexuals and like all the, the people. And I felt like these are my people. Like I can be myself and be accepted. Unfortunately, even though I felt accepted, it didn't fix the feelings inside of me. So I was going up. And then I would have really bad depression. I would feel suicidal. I would want to leave the world again. And in this period of time, I started using you know, anything, using drugs, alcohol, food, sex, whatever, to numb me out. So when I say I used drugs and alcohol, I was not a party girl. I was not a, like, woohoo let's. I was by myself in my apartment um, drinking so I wouldn't feel. Like, it was so I just could escape the feelings of, of life. And um, I was a thief. I stole thousands of dollars from people that I worked for. I was a liar, a practiced liar. And just, um, yeah, I just lived a very, I, and I would say, I guess you would call it licentious life. That ended me up in a psychiatric ward. So eventually, I was in a locked ward here in Orlando. I was working um, for Disney at the time. I was an entertainer for Disney. And I ended up uh, in a psychiatric ward and locked. My parents were in Pennsylvania. And so the doctor just told them, you know, she's, I had a psychotic break, that's what I had. And um, they told my parents, she's going to be in and out of institutions for the rest of her life. Like, this is going to be her life. And I don't know if it... I think it was God. Even at that time, just inside me was this cry like, no, this is not going to be my life. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they drug you. Um, when you're locked away, I, it, there's something, a human being isn't meant to be locked away. It was, like, when you have mental illness and someone locks you away, like, that's the worst place for, for a person, you know? It's just really tormenting. So um, it was a, a terrible experience. And while I was in there, I remember thinking, I'm telling people, when I get out of here, I'm telling people what they do in here. But, you know, I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. Like, my parents wouldn't... My parents just believed the doctors, so they weren't coming to check me out. And unless someone checked me out, I would go. The doctor would come every Wednesday. I'd put on my best behavior. I feel good. I'm never going to try to kill myself again. I promise. And they would just be like, "No, you're not ready to go out. You're you're a danger to yourself or to other people." And I think, "What am I doing wrong? You know, I can't get out." I got out by a miracle, and, and that's a whole nother story. But I I did get out. But, and and Disney was so gracious to keep me that whole time. I was gone for two months. And, um, but when I got out, I knew that there was still a problem. Like something needed to change in my thinking. And I went into treatment, an outpatient treatment, which I was in for six years. And I went to 12-step meetings probably once or twice a day and um, really saw some change. In my life. And I would say it was my first experience of grace when I look back on that time. Because when you've been doing something over and over that you don't want to be doing, and then somehow it's lifted from you, and you know, like, that was not me, that to me was an experience of God's grace. Like, I knew it was uh, for God, that it could only be God. The other thing that happened to me in um, recovery was they allowed me or invited me to rethink my concept of God. So my God was that man, old man with the beard on the, and it was the beginning of me rethinking that and thinking maybe there's another way that I could look at God. And I remember asking God, um, I said, even though I knew the Bible like from growing up and hearing it in church, I had never read it myself. And so uh, I was humbled to the point where I said, okay, God, in the Bible, you sound really mean, and you sound mad, and you sound like you don't like women very much. But I could be wrong. So, and I've been wrong about other things. (laughs) So if you could just, Show me what you meant. I, I want to hear, I just want to know the truth, you know. And so I began the reading the Bible from the beginning through Leviticus, all of it. I just read it and I would ask him, What do you mean by this? And obviously, I, I didn't know everything, but some things just started making sense. About that time it, in, um, at Disney, in the show that I was in, two new cast members came and they were reading their Bible. In the middle of the trailer where we, where our break room was, and I thought, well, okay, God sent me someone to ask questions to, right? So I got um, questions uh, answered, and uh, they invited me to church, and they were going to Calvary Assembly, which is where Clark Witten was the lead pastor. I got saved at Calvary Assembly. I did a public, you know, going up and blah blah blah. <laughs> And uh, I immediately went into legalism. And now, uh, Clark Witten was not teaching legalism, okay? He was not. My friends who who brought me to church were fun actors. They were funny. They were witty. They were laid back. They were not legalists. And so I don't know why. Well, it was just what was inside me that made sense. And I think part of it was God had brought me from this really ugly place to to like normalcy, and I felt like I owed Him. The other thing was when you when you know I was insecure was okay. You guys pray like twenty minutes in the morning. I'm going to pray an hour every morning because I don't want to just be a nominal Christian. I want to be the best Christian that there ever could be. So I fasted. I did 40-day fasts repeatedly. I tithe like, you know, if you tithe 10%, I'm tithing 20%, you know. And it was just an instinctual thing inside of me that I wanted to really impress God. I wanted to impress him, and I wanted to earn some superstardom in, I know it sounds Crazy, but it, I don't know how to explain it except for I wanted to be the best of, of everyone. And um, at Calvary, it's a huge church, and so there is. Um, I was in, very involved in the women's groups, in the the Bible studies, the prayer meetings, the drama team. I was um, in missions. I ended up going on the mission field, living in Africa for for two years, and. Um, when I came back from Africa, and all this time, I'm, I'm teaching in Africa, I'm teaching pastors, and um, homeschooling to teenagers, and I'm um, doing women's Bible studies, and I'm pretty much uh, spitting out legalism to, to all of them, you know, thinking that I'm doing something great. <laughs> I come back from Africa and I, um, I meet a guy now I'm in my 30s now, like late 30s, and probably my biggest prayer and cry was for uh, God to give me a godly man to share my life with. So I come back from Africa, the sacrificial. Actually, it was a great experience and very fulfilling, but but sacrificial, you know, and. God is going to reward me with this guy. And I was so excited about it. I um, really did think God put it together. I, I still think God put it together. I um, just di- different things that um, I felt like God had said and said through him. It just seemed like we were going to get married. Well, I... Um, and he was the person that really showed me grace, uh, theologically, but also I watched him live it out in a way that I knew was different from anything I had ever seen. I mean, because you're 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 not just going to church and hearing a message. You're you're. I wasn't living with him, but we were, you know, doing life. So I was seeing him exist in such freedom and. He, he loved the Lord, but he wasn't like a churchy guy. You know, he, was, he wasn't like structured or following all the rules. Like he was gracious. And so I learned through him and I, I fought with him about like, wait, if we're already forgiven, why does the Lord's prayer say, you know, forgive your trespasses as you forgive. You see, you have to do this. And he was so patient, and and I laugh now because how he, I would just say these really stupid things, and he would just be really calm, and he didn't never argue. He just, like, threw it out there, and I loved it. But what happened to me in that season was I got it theologically in my brain, and as long as I hung out with him, I felt like part of the team, the grace team, so it was that sort of grace, legalism you know (laughs) I had. I you're laughing so you must know what I'm talking about so I remember we went to we were going to this church um I was living um on the west side of Orlando so we went to this church and I remember leaving and we're talking about the message and I had that got him attitude like can you believe he said this was not gracious like that's not grace and he said this and it was almost like I got that pastor I know more than he does (laughs) And my fr- my boyfriend said to me, he goes, Judy, we we want them to understand grace. Like it, it was almost like I was in glee because I could see how far off they were. And he said, Judy, we want them to understand grace. We want them to to get it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, yeah. you know. So um, that relationship did not work out. After two and a half years, it did not. Last and I was bereft. I was like, Lord, I thought that was you. Do I ever even hear you? Did I totally miss everything? Like, what the heck was that? (laughs) Two and a half years learning this gracious grace message, and this, it was like my world had been in color and it was now black and white. And I'm by myself in my one-bedroom apartment in the middle of um, Ocoee, Florida, no children. I'm 40 now. I'm in my 40s now. And it's like I went back into this dark cave. And I did sink into a very deep depression. And this time I did go, I did everything. Like I, Because of my treatment, I knew what to eat. I knew how to exercise. I knew... Um, You know, I went to see a psychiatrist, I got on these medicines. Um, For my Christianity, I knew that Christians don't get depressed, they shouldn't be depressed, right? So I'm memorizing every scripture that has to do with depression, despair, and disappointment. Memorizing, I'm worshiping, because you know that if you worship, depression will lift, right? So worship songs over and over and over, Um, you know, and just, you know, desperate prayers and everything. And, you know, I wore myself out because I was so afraid that I was going to go back to that old life of mine that I was, like, willing to try and do anything, which I did. I can honestly say I did everything. And it wore me out, and the depression did not lift. And so I'm like, God, I don't get this. And I said, you know, whatever... Um, that guy had, the the boyfriend that I had, whatever he had, I need that for me. Like, I need it in a way that works not just up here, but I need it right now, right here for this situation. And I remember I heard the Lord say, uh, and oh, I was going to this church. So you, when you're depressed, you kind of think about yourself. And so I knew that part of getting out of depression is you you help other people and, and be outside yourself. And So I'm in this church and they need like a children's worker, children's ministry worker. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm single, I'm by myself, I've got to get out of this depression, I'm volunteering. I'm going to volunteer. And so later that day I was in my apartment and I heard the Lord say, he said, Judy, sit down, sit down. And I was like, oh. And I felt like he was saying, I'm taking you off the court and putting you on the bench because you are not qualified to be (laughs) helping anybody right now. That's kind of how I took it in my mind at that time. So it it felt, it didn't feel good. It felt, I felt kind of sad, but I was like, Lord, if I sit down, like I'm just going to be a couch potato. Like I'm just going to sit and watch TV. And like, to me, that was like the worst thing you could ever do. I'm just going to watch TV and I'm just, I'm just going to be nothing. Like, I'm just going to be this woman in an apartment with no children and no family, and nobody's even going to know I'm alive. And, you know, that's what I thought was ahead for me. But it was actually the most beautiful, perfect time uh, with the Lord. And, And the Lord said, when I told him all that, the Lord said, Judy, I'll sit with you, like, I'll sit with you. And I was like, really? And so I did. I watched TV. <laughs> I watched TV, and I like here. He, I'm he's here on this couch with me, and we're just watching TV. And honestly, in this time, in that time, I just wanted God to fix me. Like I just wanted to be fixed. I, I didn't really get what was happening. But when I look back on in hindsight, He was hitting with me. And that was what was healing me. Like, that was what was leading to the depression leaving. But I didn't know that, and I didn't trust that, because my whole life I had been working, 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 trying to, like, earn his, his uh, approval and his love. So if I hadn't sat down, I would still be on that legalistic trail and just trying desperately, almost like flailing desperately, because that's all I knew. And so it was the most loving thing for him to say, sit down. It Just sit down and trust me. And I don't know if you all have had this, but I know that Rick has had this too in his life, this moment where you're like, are you sure, God, that if I give myself to your love and grace. Like, are you sure? <laughs> because if this doesn't work, I might just be going back to my old lifestyle. Um, and it was a risk for me to say, I'm putting all my eggs in this grace basket. And you know, during that time, um, this was before I was really aware of grace movements per se, like teachers and stuff. So I was Googling on. <laughs> on, at work, I would Google um, grace and I would read certain things and I'd be like, no, that's not it. And then I would find other things and I'd be like, that, that, that's it. And so it was like in that season where I was learning the sound of grace, like what, what, it sounds beautiful. It sounds like restful and it sounds life-giving, and I could recognize it. Now, I couldn't really talk to you about it. I couldn't really, I could do it in a head knowledge way, but not really how I knew it was to be shared. And so um, I started just reading things, and what I love about that time is it really was just me and the Lord. Like, it, it really wasn't me at a church learning it or in a group. i I was learning it from the Lord, and I was practicing it in different um, environments. So what I was saying to the Lord is, what this is, it's got to work when I'm hanging out with my liberal actor friends. It's got to ha- work when I'm with my legalistic, uh, you know, religious friends. It's got to work wherever I am. And 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 I I... Honestly, was, this was like a two and a half year deal where I was like so depressed I could hardly even get up and take a shower. Some days I didn't even take a shower. So it was a, it was a difficult time. But during that time, I think the most important thing that I learned, or one of the most important things I learned was that my feelings were following my thoughts. So this feeling of depression and hopelessness was following the thoughts that I was having about myself, that I was a failure at life, that I'd made these mistakes, that I seemed to have ruined every important relationship that I ever had in my life. I just train wrecked them all. I didn't mean to, but they would all get train wrecked. So I would be going over that and over that in my mind, and that was, of course, leading to a very dark depression. And, you know, I had taught the Bible, but I realized that I was not truly believing that God was good. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't believing that who he said I was was true. It was like my feelings were saying one thing and my head was saying, yeah, well, technically God loves you. He has to because he, you know, he's your, you know but but to really consider no wait a minute wait a minute the thought that i'm having right now it's it's a lie right. and i get to choose that i'm not going to no i'm not going to believe that about myself i'm going to believe that i'm a treasure to god and that he really he really does like love me and like me and think i'm special you know i think my whole life i felt like i wanted to be special and nobody thought i was special <laughs> But I just said, I'm just going to believe you, Lord. I'm just going to believe that what you think about me is true. And, uh, you know, th- that thoughts just started to like kind of um, to change. And the, the other part that I really had to learn, now I knew it theologically that the Old Covenant and the New Covenant were very different things, but to really accept that all of my sins, including the one I just did five minutes ago, was taken care of on the cross and all that beating myself up was so completely unnecessary mm-hmm. and that I could sit knowing I just messed up and go, Okay, God, I just messed up and that was pretty bad and you still love me. Yeah. And you took care of that already. Right. And you you front loaded this thing so that yeah. I would be okay. And so I just started practicing what that that the theology. I just started practicing it, you know, and I remember I was going to a Bible study at the time that wasn't a grace Bible study, but like they were wonderful people and there were a lot of good things said, but there were certain things that in my heart, I would just be like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not, I'm just not going to receive it. But I, I didn't want to argue with anyone. I don't want to have a big debate. I, I don't think those are very helpful. And so I, um, I just said, um, all right, Lord, I don't get why they're not, they could get this, you know, why why aren't they getting it? And I'm, you know, you're showing me these things. I said, but if you want me to say anything, I got nothing unless you want to say something and I'll just listen for you. And eventually the Lord would give me just like one sentence or like, hey, did you think about this? And I literally felt the, atmosphere in that room change and they would love it every time I would say something they would be like oh that's so good and then like five minutes later they would just say the old you know the regulars you know mixture stuff but I'd be like Lord what's happening why are they they're definitely responding to you what you're saying but then they're going back to the I don't you know and I don't think I have an answer for that just that different people see a different seasons or whatever but to me, the, the, the highlight of that period was um, I had like a 20-minute drive to and from work, and that was really the time where I was most um, inundated with thoughts and when I would practice, like, no, I'm going with what you say, God, because um, you know, I didn't have any distractions during that time. Well, one day I was driving to work, and all of a sudden this song comes out of me, and it's not a song that I had ever... Um, heard before. It, it was a song about Jesus. I think it was a song to Jesus, about <laughs> Jesus. But it was this beautiful song, just come right out of me. And I'm like, where did, that, where did that come from? And you know, in that moment, I really believe that life, God's life was swallowing up death it was swelling up the death of depression and you know self-loathing and you know just all those negative things that i had been trained in and it 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 was the beginning of life just blossoming out and i'll tell you like after that it wasn't like oh like all roses you know it wasn't but there were more moments of that and more moments of that and more moments of it. And honestly, to the to the be very truthful, I'm. That's still my life. Like that's still, I still have challenges. I still forget, you know. But I, when I'm reminded, it's like it doesn't have the hold on me that it used to. Like I can just be reminded and remember where I'm at. So after that, like I started coming back alive. I started auditioning for some shows. I started. I went back to Africa and taught some grace messages Aww. to those, those pastors, so that was cool. But um, it, during that time is when I met Rick Manis online and uh, got to know him, and Rick didn't speak so much about grace, like it, that wasn't a word that he used so much, but he had written a book, and I ordered it online, because, of course, you want to do a background check on your, <laughs> your potential. But his book, it was called Fullness, and you may have heard of it. And um, I read it, and I'm thinking to myself, this is it. This, this is that sound. This is a beautiful sound. And so it was so interesting to get to know him because his perspectives we're, we're not the, you know when you read certain um, authors, like you get the vocabulary of that author and this author says it this way and this author, and this was like a whole new um, paradigm of looking and I was like, oh my gosh, he's so, he's so fascinating, he's so interesting and, um, you know, the truth be told, like we had a very short courtship, it was maybe four months, four months, and, and then we were married, but like that courtship, was amazing because he said things to me that only Jesus would know meant something to me. And he treated me in a way that I think I had always wanted to be treated, that I was special. And I got his full attention. And, you know, he um, just was so gracious, opened my car door for me. I remember at work, this lady watched him. He, he would drive me to work. He would, we weren't living together. He would come and pick me up in the morning. He would drive me to work, drop me off. He would go home. Then he would come back and bring me lunch. And then he would go home, and then he would come home and pick me up. But I remember this lady at work, and she said, you need to keep that man. <laughs> like, this is not your typical man. And I thought, oh, God, you just answered my deepest, Desperate as prayer that I would have someone to share my life with and he would be good, like he would be good. And um, I've learned so much just being married, learning how to like learn each other and how um, just how to bring grace into your marriage, into your friendship, into your trusting and it's been a really really rewarding and fulfilling thing for me and um, you know the fact that we get to have adventures I love adventure that's like one of my things and I love beauty and I see it everywhere and I see God everywhere and I think for us when we travel we minister to very unique and different kinds of people so like Cowboys, like one of the home groups we go to are like older cowboys. Like most of them have lost their wives, but they're great and I love them, you know? And then, you know, other ones, they're they're just all very different people. But um, what I see is that grace gives you such freedom that you can see God in anyone. Even if they're still stuck in religion, there's still grace pieces of grace in there. And I'm just going to close with a story of um, Hagar. I think you've probably heard this before, but you know, when they, um, when her and her son were kicked out and they went into the desert and they're dying. They don't, they've lost all their water. And I feel like In that moment where God said, Sit down, I had lost all my water, you know, and this was just the desert for me. And she thought it was over for her and her son. And it says that God opened her eyes and she saw a well. Not that He created a well for her in that moment, it was always there. It was always there. And I feel like that's what I'm repeatedly discovering in my life that that well, that source is always there. Sometimes, still, I get flailing in my emotions and I'll say, Rick, I don't see it. I don't see it. <laughs> like, help me see it, you know? Or we'll be in an argument and I'll be like, enough. I just need to go and receive from Jesus because I got nothing but ugly to share with you right now. So I have to receive it. I have to believe it. I have to have that mind shift myself. But the good news is that I have it. Like, I have something to go to. You know, have something to um, draw from. So, so that that is, you know, thank you for... <laughs> Allowing me to be vulnerable with you and to share like a little bit of who uh, I am and what God has done. I think we've all had our own unique journeys, which are beautiful. And um, I definitely think mine is unique. It's mine. It's my story, and it's it is beautiful in in many ways. So um, I'll just pray for us, and if anyone has any comments or questions, feel free. But. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. It's life. It's life in a desert in so many ways. Your love is like life. And I'm so thankful to you that you you had patience, that you took your time with me, that you ministered repeatedly to me until I could receive. And you continue to do that. And I pray for each of us in this room and anyone listening, um, just that you would open our eyes even more to see what only you can show us, that source of living water um, that quenches our, our thirst and our flailing about trying to figure out life. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your unconditional love, everything good that you put into our lives. We just are ever thankful to you. We're ever grateful to you. You are it. <laughs> you are ours. So thank you. And just pray this in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> thank you.